0: Hey, good evening everybody <laughs> welcome to uh above the fog, above the fog. Uh, we got a new name we're uh, we're pretty fancy we got some some good audio here what happened to the farm um well that's a, that's a good story um let me uh let me click let me do this. so crown country farms had uh really no meaning and uh I was running um, my Tuesday morning run, and I was sharing photos with my family. And there's this really cool shot uh, up on top of Queenstone, looking out over the mm-hmm. the hills. And it was all fog; like the whole valley was fog, all oh, the way like, to the city. I like when that happens. And it was it was just like totally fogged in. Yeah. And my mom said, "Oh, it's like above the fog," and I was like, "Oh, it's such a great name." So I was like. <laughs> Above the Fog, and then it has meanings. It's like a metaphor for whatever. So uh, it's a good metaphor. Uh, Nice. So, yeah, I thought that would be a fun name to name the podcast. So we're at Above the Fog. Uh, Little odd intro there. It is uh, Friday, September 16th. It's a little after 9 p.m. And I have uh, Max Cam, who just did his fifth 100 mile ultra called uh, pine to palm uh he did that september 10th to the 11th that was last saturday and sunday uh and we're here to talk about it it's pretty pretty cool race i was i i, I didn't know anything about it um but uh i I just have to start with, so there's this picture, uh, Max, and thanks for being here, Max. There's this picture, I think, on Facebook. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yep. Of you finishing, and it just, you know, picture is a thousand words, and it was like, oh my God, I could not, I have, like, touched, I've, like, scratched the surface compared to what you've probably dealt with, and, like, uh, it just looked like so much pain so much agony
1: yeah
0: to to get that
1: i mean i think that kind of sums it all up like what everyone in that race um experience if you look at the finishing stats there were 134 people that started the race out of a total of 196 that signed up out of the 134 that started 79 of them dropped, which comes out to 59% that dropped from the race. And so there were only 55 finishers. So if you do the math there, that's only 41%.
0: That's, that's, that's awful. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just hellish.
1: And of those 55 finishers, 13 of them finished under 24 hours. So there was kind of a mixed bag in there. Um, some people knew how to deal with the heat. Some people obviously didn't. And obviously there's other factors that go into that as well. Um, like uh, re- for reasons that are unknown why other people had dropped, but it was a really tough day out there. Like temperatures reached, I think at least hundred degrees for several hours. I mean, in the first, like within the first two miles of the race, like, we start on this, like, 4,000-foot climb, and, like, within mile two, um, it already got, like, really warm. It started out, like, pretty cool at the start, but in about 20 minutes, it was, like, it, for some reason, the temperature just shot up to, like, what felt like 80 degrees. It was, like, an inversion up there. And, yeah, it got worse from there throughout
0: the day on Saturday. Um <laughs> So it starts at 6 a.m. on yep. Saturday. I was looking at that and I was thinking, why does it start at 6 a.m.? That seemed like a late start uh, for a, for a hundred miler. But I guess who cares, right? Because you're you're out there for at least 24 hours, uh, or most everyone was. So I'm curious, how many did not do not starts or did not start were there out of the hundred and I don't know how many were registered. You just said that. So
1: 196 was, I think, the number registered, and 134. One. Th- Let me
0: go back to the race summary again. And
1: 134 started. So about 64 people didn't start the race.
0: And I respect that because, like, you know, you train for something or you something that something just doesn't isn't working. It's like you don't start because. You're just gonna hurt yourself, or, or you're not you're not ready for it. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a, I mean,
1: with what year it is now and how far we've gone into the pandemic, there's a lot of different reasons why uh, it could be like, and also like forces of nature that were happening around, like wildfires. Uh, there definitely was a concern for smoke and possible uh, bad air quality. Um. With yeah, like a couple of big fires burning just south of where we were, so that was definitely a major concern. But um, yeah, I was watching the weather forecast in the air. I didn't already. realize
0: that was the was the air, uh, particulate matter really high during the run or
1: during the run? Not really. Um, there were maybe. Uh, one or two spots where you could kind of smell the smoke, at least to me, Um, but I wasn't particularly sensitive to it. So it wasn't that bad. The main thing was just the heat that was (laughs) persistent throughout the day. But like once you got past, I think 5 p.m., then it started to cool down.
0: (laughs) So when did it, um, at what miles was it just awful? Like above like 90, 95?
1: um i would say starting at about mile 16 or so 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 this is like after the second aid station well technically the first since the first the kind of pseudo first one was only a water station that didn't really materialize um so the first actual aid station was at mile 14 and like a little bit after that we're descending and it starts to get hot in those valleys and by mile, I think twenty-eight was the next big um, aid station. That's when that's when it really started to heat up, because by then you have this, you're you have this like two thousand foot climb in I think five or six miles ahead on the road ahead, and that's when it really started getting hot.
0: So I'm pulling up the. Um uh the map of your race here uh from your from and it's um uh, let's see how do I
1: so on my strava i actually took i actually uh hit the lap button on my watch every time i left an aid station so okay. each one of those laps or kind of gives you an idea of like how much time was in between the aid stations mileage and uh, it, oh it's i see of so,
0: so lap one is 14.27 miles mm-hmm. lap two yep. 7.4 there's an aid station 5.3 5. Yeah. 5 and this is here's one that's only 2.1 miles so there's a couple of points in the um
1: along the course where you kind of have i guess kind of an out and back um the first one is you do like this two mile two and a half mile loop uh, around. Uh, We we should
0: back up. So if anyone's listening to this, that's not, uh, my neighbor or, uh, my my family, um, this race, uh, what, what is the, the start of the race, Max, and where, where, uh, in proximity, you know, the United States is it?
1: So we are basically in Southern Oregon. Um, we're just outside the town of Williams, which is, I, Maybe, which is a little bit away south from Grants pass Oregon which again is another not as big of a town but Grants pass is at least off of interstate five we're in Williams and we're like way south of that I'm not exactly sure what the time or distance is but I'm guessing at least 30 or 40 minutes south of that so we're pretty deep with them deep in the mountains there and for pretty much the whole duration of the race until we get basically into ashland oregon we're pretty remote like we're way out there and
0: it looks really rugged like lots of mountains everywhere
1: and yeah because of where the race goes um, it's actually really difficult to um, have a crew out there you're basically going on these off-road, these forest roads that are could be steep, but definitely not for the faint of heart.
0: So was this not single track? It was like fire roads?
1: A lot of of fire roads, a lot of forest roads, some single track, some road actually. But yeah, most of it dirt for sure.
0: So, okay, what elevation... I see you started at about what
1: twenty five hundred feet yeah we started about twenty yeah twenty five hundred feet or so we make those big initial climb all the way up to about sixty five hundred feet in ten miles and then we come back down
0: Whoa. for like the next that's a brutal um, that's a brutal start 15. it's like a dipsey but more start it's uh pretty much yeah and that's not a good start because you're it's the descents
1: um right the descents are pretty runnable actually um it's not too bad i kind of compared this to the new uh tahoe rim trail 100 course but Mm -hmm. this is not as much in altitude so it's not that bad um But yeah, you do have that big first climb, and then throughout the rest of the course, you have subsequent, um, I guess, pretty significant climbs. At about um, mile twenty-eight is where you uh, you get your next. You can get your next drop bag, and that's a pretty significant aid station because you have a. About a 2,000 foot climb ahead of you in, um, I think, in like six miles, at least to the next aid station, and that was pretty much the hottest part of the day. Uh, so much so that the um, I think the organizers actually put they stashed like a bunch of water bottles like midway up the hill somewhere.
0: So for the runners. So let's. Uh Dig into like the aid and the crew and the support because nobody does anything like this. I mean, I guess you could technically do it by yourself, but <laughs> tell us about who helped you, the crew and the and the um, and and I was look, I, By the way, the website has a really good racer um, pamphlet or racer uh, outline. Uh, and it really gets into what they provide and medical and everything. It's they're really serious about it. So I thought that was really a good website.
1: Yeah. So aid stations are um, they're a little bit further apart than most races. At least the significant ones. Most of them are about like five to seven and a half miles apart. But for the ones that um, that your crew can access. And also, um, where you can have your drop bags, those are a little bit further apart. Those are more like at maybe like ten to fourteen miles apart. So.
0: So what was? Did you have people there with you?
1: Um, going into it, I didn't plan on having people there. Um, the people that I did travel with uh, just happened to also well, we we. I guess they ended up also kind of crewing me as well. They took care of me when they saw me, but um, generally I just, I went in like, I I had everything in my drop bags that I needed. So if they didn't show up, it wouldn't be an issue. Um, Mainly the people that were there um, for me, they were also there for a a couple of other friends that were racing as well. So um, in a way, like they the other people, those were their priority. Um, I was just kind of along for the ride and for like some of the shenanigans along the weekend. <laughs> but yeah, it was really good to see them um, at those spots where they were able to um, meet us because it takes a so, super long so- time to get like from A station to A station because of like where the route goes.
0: I'm, I'm a. I'm really impressed, Max, because I'm like, oh, I thought you know, you had a two or three friends or crew or people that you know you had gone up there with and that was the plan. But it sounds and, and that's awesome that they were there to help. Um, and they you, crew and aid stations are so important on, on these things, but I don't know, I'm not oh, yeah. I'm super not a super piler. Mile. But uh yeah just just that much more impressed that you 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 were just gonna do it uh essentially with your drop bags right pretty much
1: i i packed at least as much as i could plan to without going overboard um so i think
0: so let's dig into that is there like a psychological component to the one of to these things like (laughs) do you need do you need that um because if I ever did something like this, I'd want to see my family at some point, or maybe I, I wouldn't. I don't know because I'd be so miserable. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: dude, like that's that's the other thing too. Like, do you want other people to see you at the, like your lowest points and being a five-year-old child in the middle of the race,
0: or uh,
1: yeah, like it all depends, that's right? A,
0: that's a really good point. Yeah, so so maybe just at one point
1: or do you want to like have that feeling of like looking forward to seeing like your crew at a certain mile but like that also has its downsides too uh, especially on a course like this because of just how remote it is your crew may or may not get there in time um and so if if your crew if you're crewing multiple people Um, and all those people are different speeds you might have to like make a sacrifice and like focus on one or the other or something like that but as a runner for your crew I think it's really important to um, communicate that um, ahead of time so that you don't miss you don't miss your person um, when you need them
0: and you might not
1: necessarily have to meet them at like every possible opportunity. Yeah, like,
0: there's there's logistics for yourself which are significant, yeah. And then there's logistics for the crew,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which uh, it doesn't just happen magically and peop- and it's not this is a very remote course. I, I, I've done marathons where I don't know where people are. Even though we've talked about it, mm-hmm. and it's so obvious, but but like you know, with lots of people at a finish line or something, you can't organize exactly where they're going to be, and then and then that's great because you see the people, you know, and it's like a surprise. But, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. All right, so uh, we can go back a couple. Was it three weeks before that you did Santa Rosa? Or two uh, weeks?
1: It will. I think it's about three weeks now. I don't, I don't know. So, so these day, two races. I think we're about less, just about two weeks apart.
0: Uh, All right. Yeah. Let's let's take a look. I think it was Santa Rosa was like August twenty eighth. You got August twenty seventh. Twenty seventh Sunday. Uh, oh, that's
1: for next year. Oh, okay. So for this year it was the twenty eighth.
0: Okay. So it was it was a Sunday, right? Yeah. So yeah. So that was <laughs> that was uh two weeks two weeks before a hundred miler you did a fast um I don't, I don't know if you put everything into that or what but you don't I just. <laughs> yeah you don't just it was sub three or you were right at three no it was so
1: my time for that was uh three hours one minute 42 seconds
0: that's very respectable for uh, i think the problem with that course honestly for the santa rosa it's it's just yeah the santa rosa i've only done the half but my brother did the full and you know i know the course and like it's just too flat like you need some variation you need some there's some rolling hills there
1: um there's enough i think there's enough variation to give you some pain for sure i mean
0: and was that a hot
1: race? No, the weather was actually perfect. Like I think it was like mid fifties, almost sixty. So it was it was perfect okay. running weather that day for um, for racing a marathon. Like you could actually feel like other people's body heat radiating if you were running in a close pack. But once you like started separating, it was fine. And you already heat up anyway, so it's and. Because of the cool weather. So you did a full
0: effort marathon, which I guess would be funny for people to hear that. You can do do different efforts on long distances. So if you do a six-hour marathon versus a three-hour marathon and you're in good shape, it's a lot different uh, exertion. Um, So were you... And then there's for me, there's recovery that you feel Mm -hmm. and then there's recovery that you don't feel. But then when you go to do something, you notice it like only through like, a, you know, like uh, you run a marathon and then a week later you feel fine and you go to do a run and you're like, oh, I guess I'm not 100 percent yet.
1: Yeah. And I try to take that into account, too, uh, going into this. Because I knew after the marathon, it would hurt a lot more than if I did an ultra race. So I gave myself, or I tried to give myself enough recovery time so that I would feel
0: at, at least a little bit fresher. So, um, so you're running like right after Santa Rosa or?
1: Um, I, well, for the, I think for the next or for the following few days after Santa Rosa, I actually took a little bit of a break um 28 30 so i didn't actually so right after santa rosa i did pretty much like zero running for the next six days maybe like the following sunday did i actually like put in a few miles uh other than that, it was just like so so bike and maybe a walk, but that was it.
0: If we took Santa Rosa out of the whole uh lead up, what would be your longest run? what would be do do you measure things in like elevation per week, miles per week or time on feet per week, or like what are what are your uh things that you follow or or are you just like You know, I just do whatever. It really depends, because since I had both of these
1: races on the calendar, I pretty much picked one over the other, and I picked Santa Rosa over Pine to Palm, and so I focused pretty much all my training into Santa Rosa. I did speed workouts, I did marathon-specific workouts, I tried to cram them in after Ironman Lake Placid, which was five weeks before Santa Rosa, and... Coming down with COVID during Lake Placid wasn't really what, great uh, for training. When did you have COVID? What, what was D- the during Lake Placid? Okay. Uh, pretty much raced with it. I think I came back from New York and tested myself, and then that's when I tested positive. But I already knew like I had symptoms going into Lake Placid. I legs were just dead, and my throat I had a sore throat, but I raced anyway. I didn't even know that I had it until i got back and then i realized oh, okay this yeah, is Lake Placid Ironman yeah Lake Placid Ironman
0: how many ironmans have you done max like lifetime yeah that was my 6th 6 ironmans you got 500 milers how many marathons have you done uh let's see i don't know let me <laughs> i hate I, it <laughs> road
1: marathons let's see 14 15 16 17. i basically average (laughs) one per year okay more or less well that's not crazy 19 21 22 22 so i've done eight road marathons well started nine but finished eight i don't know if you count the uh, 2020 virtual boston as one but yeah it counts if you do i guess you yeah. put that as nine
0: yeah i guess it's it's difficult to count things um like you do the dipsy i've done the dipsy the quad five times i'm actually like this is cool because i've had five under my belt i could just you know add them up yeah um but that's is that a marathon <laughs> It's, it's nothing like I mean, a marathon. It's, I
1: mean that's more of a so specific race yeah I mean for that way you can really count those are my that's down. like my only
0: ultra so I don't really have these hundreds. I have 150k so that's that's impressive Max. Uh, that's really cool. Um, so okay back to training for this. You said your focus was on Santa Rosa. Mm -hmm. It wasn't on this particular race, but, like, if you're listening to this, um, I mean, pretty simple, 26 miles and 100 miles, uh, you can, you know, most healthy people could probably walk or get through 26 miles, but you can't just do 100 miles. Uh, So, tell us, like, you know, what was your your training plan for this?
1: So because I have both had both of these races on my calendar. Um, I pretty much had to mentally prepare myself for pine to palm knowing that, yeah, I'm going to be out there for a long time. And given like with all the races I've done this year, all the hundos I've done this year, uh, ever, um, you just go into it knowing that, yeah, it's going to be a long day and night and you just got to trust your fitness. If I didn't have Santa Rosa on my calendar, I would So it was like
0: a training. Santa Rosa was training. That was
1: me. basically my last long run before Pine of Palm.
0: What was your longest run in like the last two months leading up to it?
1: Um I think that was probably it.
0: Cause I'm I you know, I've been looking at ultra runners the two hundreds. And I've seen people that have, like, 40, you know, they have 40 mile a week. They're pretty normal runners. Uh, And they have a couple long ones. But it's nothing like, like, I thought they were doing, like, 50 milers, you know, (laughs) week week after week on the weekends.
1: Yeah, it's definitely different than, like, normal road marathon training. So, like, the only other long run I did was a 24 miler, um, I think about a month before Pine to Palm, but everything, everything before that was pretty short, and that was due to, like, recovering from, recovering from Ironman Lake Placid, which you could pretty much say, like, that's a, that's another long effort that I put in, um recovering from COVID, <laughs> that I would probably count as, like, another, um, quote-unquote, endurance ordeal, but, yeah, not too many, um, I, I couldn't fit too many long runs going into it, um, as much as I wanted to, or as much as, like, uh, um, some of my other friends did, Okay, so, so I just had, I just had to, like, work with what I had, and trust myself that I can get through it. That's like so. The only other thing I could do was try to get some like maybe some specific terrain training in. So I ran down Andyberry like once <laughs> just to
0: <laughs> just to mimic like that once. like downhill steepness. <laughs> so so uh, Max is talking about this trail that's right in front of my house that basically just goes straight up a hill half a mile with 750 feet. Yeah, oh. and and. Um, John Bertan, also on the podcast, has done it many, many times um, for elevation gain. Um, But, uh, yeah, so I live on a street called Appleberry, and the joke is Andyberry is the trail right there. So, So, Max, fifth hundred miler, pretty awesome, like, I would say lifetime accomplishment to do a single hundred miler. How does this look compared to the other hundred milers? Um, and, and tell us, like, you know, we don't need to go into each one, but like, how what the race was, you know, and and then how it was different. Or the biggest difference
1: is that this was a point to point race, so it starts in a different place and it ends in a different place. Uh, that was the biggest thing. The other hundred milers that I've done were either in loops, or at least they started and finished in the same place. Um, so what's uh, what are the f- four others? The four others were uh, Rio de Lago, which is uh, like right along the shores of Folsom Lake. I've done the Tahoe Rim Trail 100 uh, two times, um, both iterations. So the old course for Tahoe Rim Trail used to be a two-loop course, so you um, go
0: around the lake twice?
1: No, we, there's like there's like some loops along the Tahoe Rim Trail on the Nevada side <laughs> oh,
0: okay. I, of Lake Tahoe. I should know this because I, I aided John a yeah. long time ago, but it was only to 50. But yeah, it was on the... It was uh, on the Nevada side, the northeast, Nevada, the northeast side of Tahoe, Lake yeah, Tahoe. Yeah, the, the eastern, northeastern side of Lake Tahoe, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I did that race twice, uh, both the old and the new course. Uh, and also have done uh, the Cascade Crest uh, Hundred in Eastern Washington, which is also a looped course. I mean, it's a single loop I,
0: I going wish, through the Cascades. What's the distance on the, the loop? 100 miles. Oh no, the whole loop is 100 miles. It's yeah. not. It's not like 20, it's just. It's just one big loop. Five twenties or something.
1: Yeah, it's just one big loop. <laughs> so I mean, in a way, it, that one is kind of a point. To point because you don't go on the same trail twice, mm-hmm. but I mean it still starts and end in the same place, which makes some of the logistics a little bit easier in terms of. I oh, mean, like- if if you had to like crew or pay somebody, like having just a common start finish point makes okay, it so- somewhat easier. But having a point to point course like pine to palm uh, makes it a little bit harder to try to like move your you move your stuff, move people,
0: things like that. Yeah, I guess that was a poorly worded question. Like, what was easier? Um, well, I would say for
1: this one, another thing, too, is that there were elements of Pine to Palm that I saw it from my previous races. Um, like, in terms of the scenery and the terrain, it kind of reminded me of Cascade Crest just like all the mountains and trees. And I think like the last, I want to say like the last 10 miles of this course reminded me of the uh, newer Tahoe Rim Trail course in that you also go along this forest road for uh, what seems like forever to try to get to the finish. Um, yeah, so there were definitely elements um, that reminded me of like previous races.
0: Do were you looking for like familiarity, like? Because I would think, because I I don't know, but I would think if you're somewhere you've never ran before, uh, terrain you've never been to before, and it's all new, uh, it'd be much harder than like let's say Ashland and this whole area was like where you lived. Mm-hmm. Does that does that get? Are Are you thinking what's coming next? Or, or is that just, like, not even a...
1: Um, I mean, with a new course that you've never done before, you do try to look for familiar elements. So I would say for this one, for Pine to Palm, I actually have run parts of the course in other races. Um, actually being, uh, what is it, the Siskiyou Outback 100K, which does share a good portion of uh, the same amount the same sections of trails as Pineapalm so there were some parts of Pineapalm that I was already familiar with but if it was like a completely new race I would try to like do some research see if I could find some videos of maybe somebody had like video recorded some of the course or at least like Read some of the description to kind of mentally prepare myself for like what's coming next. But yeah, with like all the new stuff, it's really you can't really know until you get there. Despite like what the description says, I mean, the only thing the description can help you with is like
0: not to get lost. So um, let's talk about fueling and like um, <laughs> what what is, what is an aid? I guess. How could you possibly uh drink enough water, get enough salt, get enough calories to do something like this because I mean, I'll just make it about myself for a second. I did an eight mile and change run today, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even that hot. it was like not even ninety it was like eighty five degrees yeah, and i'm just I'm just drenched in sweat mm- mm-hmm. and I was cruising, but I mean, my heart rate was like 140. I wasn't really pushing it. I was just, but if I did that for even 20 miles, I know I would completely bonk Mm -hmm. (laughs) because because I'm just draining my body of all the salt and and everything. And like, even if I had water, I guess. So, so what are you doing to to get those things back into your body?
1: Um, so that's really it. actually good point and also given like how hot it got uh hydration was definitely important um at the race briefing for this actually uh how corner the uh, race director uh gave us some advice on like how to tackle hydration and basically you just said like drink drink for thirst like drink when you're thirsty um you'll get to the next age station soon enough but definitely carry enough water and i carried i carried 3 liters of water on me knowing that it was going to be hot and so so having was, that, was it
0: all on your back or did you have pans too i had i had a couple
1: of uh, half liter flasks in the front and a 2 liter bl- 2 liter bladder in the back and for that like second climb from mile 28 to 34 or so During the hottest part of the day, I actually pretty much almost emptied all of my water reservoirs, like all three liters of it, in 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 two hours.
0: In two hours. Well, that's... And I had
1: um, actually had kind of tested myself before to see like how much liquid I would lose Mm -hmm. and tried to use that uh, to um, keep myself hydrated.
0: So, So dumb question yes you drink to thirst but how do you know you have enough electro? how do you know you have enough salt and sodium in your body
1: um that's something that kind of comes with experience but also knowing like when you need to take salt so i was i was taking um the salt stick pills like every initially about every hour and then when it got hotter like every half hour because um, i at, for one i wasn't going that fast so i knew i wasn't gonna for me at least for myself I, like i don't sweat too much
0: yeah I for other your, people your heart rate is pretty low where did i see that well the o- average heart rate is low but then
1: it's yeah. actually like in the beginning part it was kind of
0: it there was a good. little bit higher and we're looking at heart rate analysis over Well, it says 24-27, but it was a... That's your, that's what, moving time. Moving time, yeah, there's 27 hours total time.
1: So, there's a lot of rest thrown into that as well, especially at, like, the later aid stations. But for salt, um, I pretty much stick to, like, yeah, either, like, 30 minutes to an hour, one salt pill, and that usually takes care of my needs. Uh, As long as I stick to it, I'm pretty much good to go. And also try to, like, watch myself uh, in terms of, like, outward appearance. Like, if I, you know know how some people get, like, salt rings around them?
0: Yeah, when my my hat gets white, it starts to, if it's really hot, I'm running a long time. Mm -hmm. It gets that white. That's uh, how
1: you know you're losing a lot of salt, and you probably should,
0: like, get some salt in you. So, so what is the mechanism? Uh, Yeah, you're not a doctor or anything, but, like... Why would I produce salt, say, after two hours uh, versus, you know, two hours when it's cool? Um, I mean, it depends on the day and
1: also depends on the person. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like, when you sweat, you lose, you're not just losing water. You're also losing um, electrolytes in your body. And that's why, like, some of your clothes start... getting like little white rings around or big white rings those are that salt that you're losing and so you need to um, you need to replenish that if you're if you're still going or at least like if you're done like replenish that afterwards so that you don't you don't end up yeah intensity
0: has um, kind of like, a lot to do with it because like you can go for some a, of it yeah, yeah so, something to do with it because mm-hmm. I I've had it only but only really when I'm going hard, or I was sweating a lot. Mm-hmm. So um, nothing like a 100-mile race. Though.
1: But yeah, but if it's, like, really hot, you definitely need to keep yourself hydrated. And you can't just drink water. Otherwise, your your electrolyte balance is going to be thrown off. And I I don't know. I've never experienced, like, hyponatremia. But so there, there could be, like, other physiological
0: effects if you don't have enough salt in you. Did you feel like uh, you're going to drop at any point? Uh,
1: not from not from lack of nutrition. Like I knew I could keep my body moving. Calories. I knew that since it was going to be hot, I wasn't going to be able to eat as well. But I had to at least try to force myself to eat um, somewhat frequently. Uh, so I was doing maybe like 100. I wanna say, if you wanna go by hourly average, probably like 150 calories an hour. Um, but I think in the latter, the later, like the second half of the race, um, that probably wasn't enough for me to get through the night. And there were, there was, an, there was like a couple other factors too that contributed um, to almost like throwing my nutri- nutrition plan out the window did you bar? no um actually my headlamp died early oh, I, earlier I, than i thought
0: i saw that all right i heard that you wrote you wrote that yeah i in thinking you right up
1: so i turned on my headlamp at pretty much like close to 8 p.m so so
0: what kind of headlamp do you have
1: oh yeah. it's a it's like a f- three or four year old Petzl reactic
0: with, with which, like triple a's or
1: no it was a rechargeable okay. battery and it had been, like, a really good workhorse for the last few, like, last, like, few years. Okay. Like, it's lasted me through the night. Um, well, least like, shorter nights anyway. Like, since it's September, it's a, kind of a longer night. But, yeah, I turned it on at 8 p.m., so, like, about 20 minutes after sundown or sunset. Um, and it gave me a low battery warning, like, seven hours later.
0: Okay. And lo- so, we're, like eight uh what, what is seven hours and yeah, that's so that's three, about like 3
1: a.m oh and my I'm, gosh. I'm like <laughs> at mile 77 i'm i I'm a few miles away from the mile 88 station which uh, where i had stashed my uh external uh battery to okay. like charge i don't know watch phone whatever
0: so what give us like a Give, give us a mindset of Max at 3 a.m. in the four. Are you you're right yourself? Um, Basically, more or less. I think I was kind of like
1: leapfrogging with a couple other runners or maybe like one other runner. Um, but at that point, I'm like, all right, my headlamp's is going to die. I'm. It's a good thing I still had my second headlamp, which I had used at the beginning of the race to at least try to get me to the aid station. And so I'm thinking, okay, let me just get my battery and then charge my dominant headlamp and see, like, where this goes. So I'm at the aid station for...
0: This is 88? This is so mile 80. Mile 80, because I thought you said 88. but So you're at 77 at 3 a.m. Around there. Oh, around 77. Yeah. And so, I, I thought you had um, what is that, eleven miles to go, but you only had but had, eighty. So I had
1: twenty. I had pretty much like twenty miles to go
0: okay. um, to, to the next aid station, though. No, to, for, to the
1: next aid station it was like a couple
0: miles. So, so you had like three mile. Was it? Paint the picture. Or is it like dense forest? Pretty where, much. Yeah, dense. Okay, so pretty it's dense dark. forest. Yeah, it's it's like pitch black. <laughs> The moon, I mean,
1: the moon, there was a full moon out, but like there was like cloud cover, so that didn't really help either. The
0: trees probably get so dark. Yeah,
1: the tall pines don't do any favors. And so I'm stuck with like a mediocre headlamp for a couple miles. And so I reach the aid station, I get my battery, start to charge my headlamp. And then, like, I, I didn't, I hadn't like played around with it too much, but I realized that I could not use. Well, I think it was, like, later on, too. I couldn't use my headlamp while it was charging. And so I needed to use a secondary light source.
0: So, wait, that you, you being, had a, do you had a battery to charge it?
1: I had, a, I had a, like, an external battery. Okay, well
0: yeah, like a – yeah,
1: got it. Yeah, like the, the little, like, uh, portable ones. So I was using that for a while um, to charge – my main headlamp i was using my secondary headlamp and that didn't really give off like too much light so i couldn't really move did you fall or no i didn't yeah there were no issues with like mobility it was just like it just slowed me down quite a bit yeah um but mentally it kind of threw it kind of threw me off a little bit so i think it kind of threw my nutrition off as well since like oh i thought to myself oh i'm not moving that fast i'm gonna get as many calories wrong
0: <laughs> what was the weather what was not the weather the temperature like at night
1: um at night it definitely cooled down i think it was like in the mid 60s that's good so warm enough i mean warm enough that i didn't like get too cold but also cold enough that if you weren't moving for too long you would definitely start shivering
0: did you uh have a blanket and everything with you like i had case? a I had a jacket just in case yeah. i actually did put it on for a like little you bit took a hard fall or something
1: you couldn't keep going uh i wasn't banking on that well
0: so. I, I mean like where was i reading like you have to have utmb i was reading about utmb requirements oh, like a mylar blanket or something you have to carry because like it snows like all times of year and like yeah weather systems come in and all sorts of situations that people don't anticipate. Yeah. And then they get in really bad situations. Right. Right. So, um, did they have like, did you have a Mylar blanket? And like,
1: I think I packed one. I don't think I
0: (laughs) actually did pack one, but
1: I did have a jacket. Um, it probably wasn't that cold. No, it wasn't like I looked at the forecast. It was, it was perfectly fine. I actually got a little bit warm from wearing a jacket. So I took it off in like 10 minutes. um, but, yeah, I mean, having the hydration pack on me, it added, like, that extra layer of warmth anyway. So that wasn't too big of a deal. So, Max,
0: do you listen to anything during 27 – well, it was 24 hours of movement. But I
1: mean, you, it's still, like, 27 and a half hours of total time. Yeah,
0: what do you do to keep your mind occupied for that time?
1: Um, so I think, like, when the miles start to get tough, especially in, like, the latter half of the race – and also like during nighttime too, I have kind of a playlist of like, I guess you could call it motivational, um, instrumental music. Like there's some, like a lot of the tracks don't have, uh, lyrics, but just something to like, keep me away, keep me uh-huh. motivated. And in a way also like keep the wildlife away because there may have been reports of like bears or other stuff out there. So just turn up the volume on my phone and just blast music for like the lonely miles and yeah that keeps me going
0: yeah I like uh,
1: I mean, at least until to, daytime. I like
0: Jake Shima uh, just very chill all instrumental uh, good good stuff I don't know if you, if you know who he is
1: no idea uh,
0: it's like a ukulele guy.
1: Hawaii. Very very relaxed. Oh, I don't want to fall asleep in a hundred mile or so. I need something <laughs> to, like pump me up. Something like I don't know like Eye of the Tiger or something along those lines. Some like anime like theme songs that okay. are that just like get your get your uh blood flowing. Maybe throw in some like what do I have on there? I think like some DMX and some E forty is maybe some hard some
0: hardcore rap. I like I like Eminem when I need, yeah, when I need like to it. get pumped up.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, anything to just like keep yourself awake and even like distracted from like the pain that you're going through.
0: So, so any any uh, long long lasting pain, um, leg cramps,
1: leg cramps generally not too much. Surprisingly, um, my feet did get pretty trashed. Especially in the last, like, I want to say, like 20 or 30 miles. They get
0: wet? How, how did they get trashed?
1: Like, it just felt like I was, like, every step I took was on, like, sharp rocks, broken glass, or Legos, like, or any combo of those. <laughs> like, every step I took, it just hurt, like, really painfully. And it, because of that, I couldn't go as fast as I wanted to. Especially, like, on the flatter, like, runnable roads, trails, yeah.
0: Gosh, I,
1: and I was, and, like, for some of the races, I, I knew that I would get to that point, and in some of the previous races, like, I was able to, like, push past that pain and, like, finally start to, like, hit some pace, but I never found that for this race. So, basically, kind of, softly jaunted
0: like the last like 10 or so miles to the finish line when before the race started i think i think you were looking for a sub 24 was that on on your mind or did you not care about it once you know you were 10 20 30 miles in
1: um that was i guess the sub 24 is kind of a secondary or tertiary goal i mean there's a lot that can happen in 100 miles i mean if i get it like super awesome i'll do everything that i can to uh try to get there but as the day goes on like you kind of have to figure out like okay am i gonna make it in time or am i not gonna make it in time and are you worried about the cutoff the 30 Five, 30 34 hour 34 kind of, hour kind of um not so much okay i mean it, it did kind of enter my mind a little bit um and like i forget when but like in, after like a certain number of miles i knew like okay if i walk the rest of this i could still make it like i had pretty much like a balance of mindsets there but i think the uh defining point was probably the midway point I had gone to the mile fifty aid station in a little over twelve hours. And so after that I knew like, okay, no, I think sub twenty-four is kind of out of the question, <laughs> given like
0: how trashed I already was. Looks really rough. Like seventy-nine. You have a 43-minute mile. That was probably sitting at an aid station for yeah, quite a while. 85 is a 40 58. Oh, funny story about that. Okay, um,
1: so there's kind of like three sections of the course where you kind of do somewhat of an outback. So the first time is at mile forty forty-ish, mm-hmm. where you do like a two and a half mile loop around the lake. So you're able to like, and we're like drop off your pack, do the do the lake loop, and come back, pick up your pack, and go.
0: Where's this lake loop? So.
1: Zoom in some more, yeah. We'll zoom in. Yeah, like, yeah, use that guy. Oh, okay. So, yeah, you come down into this lake, there's an aid station there. You meet, you go through it twice because you do this lake loop, but it's only two and a half miles, so you don't have to bring much. You can drop off your pack and like take off the load a little bit. So, mm-hmm. that, that was cool. And but then the next part is at mile 50 where it that's it up um, north a little bit okay there's an aid station there and there's a little out and back where you climb a peak to get to you have to get you have to get a flag and bring it back to the aid station and that's like so the flags are at the
0: top there it's at the very top what's the elevation of that peak uh excuse me let's see looks like uh this is in meters Where's where's your mouse cursor? It's uh it's on there somewhere. Ah, here there, we go. There.
1: So that's about almost about forty nine hundred feet above okay. sea level, and the aid station is six hundred feet below that.
0: Okay. So not I mean it's a significant it's, climb. Yeah. But look at that grade. That looks like a bitch of a climb. Nineteen percent, ten
1: percent. Yeah, it's. You, it's pretty much hike up and probably run down
0: the <laughs> and this is, a, this, is mile 50? this
1: is at mile fifty. This is at mile fifty. Okay. So you go up, get a get a little flag like those the little like yeah um like a US flag or a the, like little marker flags that you might see at some races. Oh, or like Jinny like, puts. Up, oh like, yeah, yeah. You know, the
0: little the little metal. Yeah, metal holder and like a little orange. Right, right.
1: Yeah, except this one has like the pineapple logo on it. So you have to go up and get the flag, get a flag, and come back down, bring it to the aid station. That wasn't too bad, but there's another point in the race where you also do that as well, and that's at mile 85. And this is
0: zoom out here.
1: And this is at a point where you. Are experiencing pretty much the second longest um, amount of miles between eight stations. So between, so this is between like mile eighty and ninety. So the eight stations are ten miles apart, and midway in between, you you go across this like three mile like Mountain Ridge,
0: where it's... This section right here, north to south? Or or south south to north? north. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's really technical. It's super technical. There's a lot of single track, a lot of rocks, like going down steep grades. Okay. And you're not even going down, like, the main descent yet. And so I'm not sure if you can tell it from the satellite (laughs) map, but after a certain point, you get to this intersection where...
0: It's very wooded. Yeah. Wow.
1: Well, on the, um, I guess the northeast side, some of it's wooded, some of it's exposed. Okay. But you come to this intersection where you have to go out and get another flag for the next aid station. And being 83 or 84 miles into the race, I'm like, my my mind is already like off the rails. I'm like, okay, it's only a mile out and back like the other one, right? Yeah. Nope. So maybe it's, like, oh, it's, like, a mile or one and a half, three miles?
0: What is it? It ended up
1: being, like, 1.7 miles out to get the flag and and then 1.7 miles back to the intersection. And, like, at this point in the race, it's dark. (laughs) It it was dark for me. I mean, it was about to get light, but it was still dark. So in the distance, you see, like, headlamps coming back, and you're, like, oh, you're almost there. No, you're not. Because you keep going, and there's, like, more headlamps coming back, and you're, like, oh, crap. There's there's still more to go and you can't really tell cause it's dark and there, the headlamps are like way up high. So you're like, okay, there's a lot of climbing or still some climbing to do. And you come out to this like clearing and I, I didn't, I, I must've missed this from the race briefing the day before the race, but there's a, there's a little bit of a scramble to get to this flag. And so you're uh, you and this is nothing like the Tams the Mount Tam scramble that we have here in Marin. This is like fall off a rock and die scramble because <laughs> there's like there's literally at the end of this a pile of giant boulders and what on the? top of the giant boulders there's like a platform where the flags are. you can't really see it in the satellite <laughs> photo but I could
0: I could make out some rocks here but it's not very sharp yeah so there's
1: like these fifth I want to say they're like 10 to 20 foot wide boulders and I mean it's it's marked with like the course markings Mm -hmm. to tell you where to go but you're just looking at it like holy crap because you have to like traverse this like over boulders and like on the side of another boulder to like try to like climb on top of this platform to get get the flag i mean for me at
0: least at this point in the race it was the sun was kind of coming up so we kind of was able to see and you you didn't really know about this happening i just kind of probably there was an out and back and like i probably didn't pay attention to it
1: um it was it for all i know it's probably written in the runner's guide yeah i kind of skipped over every because each um But like mile eighty five, your your legs are trash, and you have to like climb boulders to get a flag for the next aid station. (laughs) You're just hoping like you don't your legs don't freeze up and you like fall off the mountain. So that was kind of fun. (laughs) And then you come back down the way you came back to that intersection. Yeah, that is
0: pretty significant. It's a it's a a mile mile and
1: three quarters. Okay. And then and then it's just a long long slog all the way back and then yeah into town so you come back down the way you came and then you turn left and, and you descend down the mountain to the next aid station and like going down you can, if you look on like anybody that's done the pine palm course their Strava track like the steep the grades are really steep I mean I, get, I mean, based on the numbers, I guess you can tell they're pretty steep. But, like, if you're actually running it, you're like, wait, what is this? The trail is maybe, like, a foot or so wide in most parts. There's, like, steep curves. Wow. And
0: you're right. You're,
1: you're just right descending.
0: Here, I, I, see, I keep seeing 22, 20. Anything, anything over 20% grade yeah. is kind of scary. And yeah. to do... Twenty percent grade at that uh, level of um, exhaustion is like I don't know on technical trails. No, did less. we? Did anybody get really hurt?
1: Because it uh, seems like
0: um, not that I heard. It seems like a recipe for people getting really injured. <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, I think for I mean at least for the sub twenty four hour people, they they came out fine. I didn't notice anybody like being severely hurt or anything mm-hmm. and like the people after me or yeah the people after me or maybe like maybe ahead of me a little bit that came down that hill um, in the daylight probably made it down the hill pretty uh, pretty much like safe and sound
0: all right so that's a good story the the rock scramble that's awesome
1: yeah, so look out for that if you're doing Pine to Palm. <laughs> but don't worry too much about it cuz it's at mile 85.
0: <laughs> so what so what would you what would you do different or what what um different in in the race and different maybe in the lead up to the race? Um
1: I would probably try to put more like steep descents into my training, some definitely some longer runs for sure um time on feet definitely and maybe some like foot strengthening i don't know like i seem to like trash my feet at most of the hundreds that i do so i don't know if it's like the shoe i'm using or if it's just weak feet
0: or, or, or that or you're just, running like, 100 miles or yeah
1: <laughs> that <laughs> or like just poor blood flow in my legs i don't so, know
0: so it's hard, harder an iron man or 100 mile uh,
1: 100 miler hands down At least in terms of like how much time it takes to get done and like how much pain you're in.
0: Yeah, at least
1: for a full Ironman, it's over. It's over in less than a day. Um, The training,
0: all daylight. Yeah,
1: most hopefully, hopefully all daylight. Um, At least for me, some like other people might finish in the dark. I mean, which is okay too. But you also have to devote the time to do. Um, to swim and to bike, like work on the different disciplines. At least for a hundred miler, all you have to do is run Just and run, eat. Run, a lot. run and eat. Actually, making sure that you can eat while on the move um, can really pay off because you don't want to have to like stop to eat, especially if you're not feeling well. So that's another, that's another,
0: um, so, so Max, possible. if somebody dropped, cause this looks like so remote, I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how the aid stations even got to you guys, but like if you dropped, say you made 70 miles and you're, you're just, you're just done. You can't move. What, um, like, I guess they, you got to get to an aid station and then there's, yeah, you basically... Like, have are, are they hiking into these aid stations? No.
1: Um They're... I mean, they're taking their off-road vehicles and driving to these aid stations. So you basically have to wait. You could be waiting a super long time to get a ride back to the finish. Um Or, I mean, if if it's like a crewable aid station, maybe you can hitch a ride with somebody um, down a mountain, but... Mm-hmm. It's gonna take a while for you to get off the course if you drop, and hopefully it's a super bad reason that you have to drop, like you get like severely injured or something,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, or if you don't make time cutoffs. But it's probably faster, like if you can still move under your own willpower and you're still within cutoffs. It's probably faster to just move through the course, but yeah, given like the weather conditions on that first day, um, yeah, just major kudos to anybody that made it as far as they could.
0: It's incredible. It's really, really a good, good uh, summary of the whole race. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm impressed, Max. That's uh, hats off to you. I, uh, I I don't know if I'll ever do anything like that.
1: But, well, uh, they really put on a, a really good race like they made sure like you were taken care of um, despite like how far apart some of the aid stations are and how remote it is but just having that awareness of like people like other other races being out there too like there's that also there's also that like sense of camaraderie as well so.
0: So, so is it was a, really, it was really cool. Is there a palm tree at the end? Uh, I tried to look for one. I don't know if there's like <laughs> a secret palm tree that I was supposed to look for. But Cause, is, is Ashland like a palm oasis or something? I'm why, not sure. Why do we like, have pine to palm? What's the uh...
1: maybe maybe the high five at the end is a palm? I, I don't <laughs> know. I, that's that's the only
0: mystery I can't
1: solve right now. I like it because there were definitely a ton of pines. I don't know what the palm. is. Yeah, it all it all seems like forest the whole way. It pretty much is, yeah, like just yeah. super tall pine trees, super steep uh, hilly terrain. If you want a taste of this, you could do the Siskiyou Outback uh, races. It kind of it goes through like the latter miles of the Pine to Palm course or some of it. And so, having done those races, having done that hundred k, I was I was actually familiar familiar with like.
0: Are those out-to-back? Are those out-and-back, or are those point-to-point?
1: The Siskiyou Outback is a looped course, Mm -hmm. but it does share some of the same trails as the Pine to Palm course. Yeah, so I I would say, like, a good, maybe, like, one-fifth or one-sixth of the Pine to Palm course was shared with the Siskiyou course, which was really uh, good, because having, like, or knowing, like, what was ahead of me like i knew like what to expect which is still tough <laughs> don't get me wrong
0: well this is a really really good wrap up on uh not wrap up but a review on the uh, pine to palm 100 uh 100 miler in 2022 that took place uh september 10th yep and uh Thanks for being here, Max. Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, All right. 100 miles, 20,000 feet up and down. Cut off time, 34 hours, but I got it done in about 27 and a half. Just over
0: 27 and a half hours. Awesome. Yeah. Great job. Thanks.